Welcome to the Center for a New American Securities NATSEC Women podcast series. Last year, we started a project on getting new audiences to think and talk about issues of gender, inclusivity, and national security. Schedule an event with gender in the title, and you can guarantee it is 95% women talking to other women in the audience about women's issues. So we tried other ways. Some audiences were receptive. Some weren't. Some were frustrated we were making a big deal out of a topic they thought was closed. Asked and answered, move on. But among the women we know, it didn't feel nearly as clear-cut. So we're bringing you right to the source. One-on-one, candid conversations with women in national security about their careers, their experience, their advice, and their lessons. Here's their stories. Hi, my name is Rachel Rizzo, and I'm here with the CNAS Women in National Security podcast series. Today, I have the distinct honor of interviewing the co-founder and CEO of CNAS and former Undersecretary of Defense for Policy, the Honorable Michelle Flournoy. Uh, Michelle, thank you so much for being here with us today. It's my pleasure, Rachel. Um, I know Michelle needs no introduction, but if you'd be so kind as to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background and your story. Sure. Um, Well, in addition to co-founding CNAS 10 years ago and then coming back to be CEO, I've had a couple of stints in government, first as the Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense and the PDASD, as they call it, um, for strategy and threat reduction in the Pentagon in the Clinton administration, and then in the Obama administration serving as Undersecretary of Defense for Policy. So I've spent my career going between the think tank world and the world of public service, um, and uh, here I am. So women, I guess, we often receive uh, the question, how do you deal with or what is it like to be a woman in uh, working in national security? How do you answer that question? What do you say when people ask you that? Well, first of all, it depends on who's asking. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) When I was in my 20s and first time in the Pentagon and I got the what's a nice girl like you doing in a job like this, you answer it a certain way. If it's a, you know, a genuine question for a from a young woman or from a, another woman who wants to know what it's like then I I answer it in a different way and I, what I'd say is um, you know it, it working in a very male dominated environment um, is definitely different you have to get used to being the only woman in the room and also to not letting it bother you um, and you have to find your own authentic style and your own way of making a contribution and I always tell people focus on doing the most excellent work that you can do and make making the mission and, and uh, the team successful and if you keep those as your guideposts you'll do well So sort of building on that answer, um, broadening it a little bit and going from what it's like to be a woman working in national security or any male-dominated field, um, I think for any woman, it can be tough sometimes to really rise uh, rise through the ranks and reach leadership positions. So for you, as someone who has successfully climbed that ladder and been in the highest ranks of government, what would you say about what it's like to lead as a woman in national security and what advice would you give um, to women about leading in a male-dominated culture? I think the most important thing um, about leadership is authenticity. You have to find a, a style of leadership that is really yours, that is not 
trying to change who you are or the way you act in the world or the way you carry yourself, but really is, um, you know, comes out of who you naturally are. And I think when people see that you're authentic, um, they respond uh, better to that than if they think you're trying to be something that you're not. So a lot of times people ask, do you have to be more sort of male in your behavior? Do you have to, you know, wear pantsuits and speak forcefully and interrupt others (laughs) (laughs) in meetings? I say, no. (laughs) You know, you have to find a style that's authentic and um, based in who you are and what you're comfortable with. And that's going to differ for each person, you know, male and female. So I think um, one of the issues many young women and even sometimes many senior women in uh, the national security field face is this ever-present question of the imposter syndrome. You know, Mm -hmm. how did I get here? I don't belong here. And any one of these days, people are going to figure out that I don't really know what I'm talking about and my career is going to be toast. So is that something that you've ever dealt with personally? And what kind of advice do you give to to any level of woman, uh, early in their career, mid-career, senior career, who are facing that issue or who have faced that issue? I would say, of course. I mean, I think every woman I know, every person I know at some point has um, had that feeling of, oh my goodness, I am you know, pretending to be something I'm not. I'm not qualified to be here. I'm not ready to be here. They're gonna, somebody's going to discover what I don't know. And I guess, you know, a couple of things. One is that I do think that, you know, if, if you have a job that requires 10 things and, you know, uh, you have a man and a woman applying for the job and they both have, you know, six qualifications of the 10, the man is more likely to say, oh, I'm golden. I've got more than half this. I can go for this. And the woman is more likely to focus on the four she doesn't have. And so I think the first thing I say is, look, you know, nobody's perfect. Nobody's going to be, uh, know everything they need to know all the time. Everybody's going to have moments where they feel really challenged and really stretched. It's natural. And focus on making the contribution you can make. And one of the things I learned in government is that sometimes the best thing you can say is, I don't know, but I will find out or I will get you the answer. Um, and so being honest about what you know and what you don't know, um, and, uh, not, uh, getting hung up on feeling like you don't belong there. I think that's, that's important. Um, so in your career, have you ever, you know, faced a setback in your career that has made you question your career path or the decisions that got you to, to where you are today? Uh, I think there was a moment when I wasn't sure of the way forward. Um, I had been working in the think tank world, but also moonlighting as a journalist. I couldn't really decide what side of the interview I wanted to be on. And I was in a job at a think tank up at Harvard, knowing that I was ready for the next thing, but it just wasn't apparent what it was going to be. Um, and there, there wasn't an obvious way forward for me at Harvard because I didn't have a PhD and I wasn't really planning on becoming an academic. Um, and as luck would have it, you know, in that moment, um, the few months when I was really kind of racking my brain, well, maybe I should go get a PhD or maybe I should just give all this up and go back to being a journalist. 
the Clinton administration came into office, and although I had not been involved in the campaign or been, frankly, particularly political at, at that point, up until that point in time, um, I had three wonderful mentors, all of whom were going into the administration and reached out to me and said, hey, um, you know, would you like to come? And so what went from a period of real kind of hand-wringing, suddenly in a moment, a new opportunity, you know, another, a new door opened and, and uh, a path forward was pretty clear. So knowing what you do now about your career and being a woman in national security, I think in general, what advice would you go back and tell your younger self if you could? I think the first thing I would say to my younger self is what I learned uh, over time, which is choose the boss, not the job. Um, you can have the perfect job description, um, but the most important factor will be the person you work for and the team and people you work with. And those are the relationships that can really create tremendous opportunities for growth, for development, for new challenges, new opportunities. Um, and I think you know every time I've followed that, um, I've made a good decision. The other thing I would say is don't be afraid of risk. I mean, there's stupid things to, to avoid. Yeah. <laughs> but most of the really big career decisions I've made, you know, when I was facing them, it sort of felt like I was at base camp looking at up at the summit of Mount Everest and thinking, oh, my God, can I do this? If you don't feel some level of risk in taking that next step, it's probably not going to be the right thing. It's probably not going to be challenging enough for you to really develop you as a, as a professional and as a leader. And finally, um, what more do you think uh, we can expect of men or ask of men in terms of their behavior or uh, ways to make this field or other male-dominated fields more hospitable for women at the top? I would say for men and women leaders, they have a responsibility to look across the entire talent pool and try to find the most capable people and advance them. Um, that's best for the mission, that's best for the organization, it's best for performance. Um, all of that's clear. Um, but an environment where most of the leaders are men, I think they have a special responsibility to look for opportunities to mentor women um, and help them uh, think through their careers and develop, um, but also to sponsor women. Too often, people adopt a sort of mini-me attitude. I'm going to find someone who reminds me of my younger self, and I'm going to help them get opportunities. Well, you know, that's nice, <laughs> and we all do it at some level, but I think if we're really going to leverage the full range of talent available, um, and we're really going to achieve a national security cadre that looks like America, we've got to sponsor people who don't look like us, yeah. um, who may be very different, whether in gender or background or experience or ethnicity, what have you. Um, so that's that's what I would say. And, and you have to hold yourself to a standard. I mean, don't be the guy who puts together a mantle. Don't be the guy who fails to put a woman on, you know, find a woman who's qualified to be on a short list of candidates for a job. You know, don't be the guy who has to be reminded constantly that there's a brilliant 
talented woman right under his nose and he just didn't recognize her or see her for what she's capable of. Absolutely. Hopefully we have a lot of men listening to this podcast to hear that. (laughs) Michelle, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to be with us today and offer your insights. Uh, We really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.